Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. Today, Lexi and I are sitting across from the one and only Dr. Jen Fraboni. She is a really, 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 really well-known physical therapist. And uh, we're just really excited to talk to her today. She is at DocGenFit on Instagram, and she has a massive incredible community of people following her for advice on movement, on pain reduction. She's been featured a gazillion places, been on Good Morning America. Jen, I have been admiring your work for many years. So it's totally a special treat to sit across from you today and discuss cesarean birth with you. Yeah. Who would have thought? I didn't think so. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so many things. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm really. Um, <laughs> I'm personally excited uh, for you to be here, and I also um, wish I had in my life nine months ago, um, because coming personally through the twins and having a vaginal and then emergency C-section, I looked at my friends who had had C-sections, and I was like, "Wait a second, why? Why was I not aware of this? Like, I can't believe this is." Um, the recovery you went through and, and what you went through and, um, and my experience may have been different than theirs. Some of them had like, you know, really great empowered, uh, C-section labors, um, or cesarean labors and cesarean births, uh, and mine wasn't, and my recovery was so, so hard. So I'm really excited to have you here. And also I'm a big, you know, proponent of sharing a lot more on cesarean labors. I now, any friend of mine that I know has a C-section that um, hasn't had one before, I and even if they have, I put together like a whole little kit for them of all the things that helped me during mine. Um, so I'm excited to to dive into this with you. So what do you think, like, what are the biggest gaps right now in cesarean recovery? And like, how do, how do we fill people in on, on this more? I mean, it's probably even similar to a vaginal birth. I mean, when you're going through it and checking off with the OB, they're just looking at the scar healing, right? Or how is your bleeding doing? But they're not going to tell you what movements you should really be doing, how you can start to heal your entire body. It's just don't pick up anything heavier than your baby and try to get some walking in, try to get some movement in when you can, but take it really easy. I think I was told like, don't sit up right away. Um, That was, I think the only cue that I was really given. So I think in general though, like how much do we really get even for a vaginal birth, you know, after afterwards. So I think a lot of people are in the dark and I mean, especially for me going through my first birth, I was preparing more for a vaginal birth. So I think that's the other thing, especially when you go through not expecting to have a C-section. I wouldn't say it was an emergency C-section. No one was rushed in anywhere, but 
it ended that way anyways. And so I think, you know, mentally there's not as much preparation, even though I read about it, even though my course caught like covered cesarean birth, it's still not at the forefront of my brain to really be thinking about it or to prepare for what I need afterwards, because I wasn't expecting going in to have this. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I kind of blocked yeah, because so many people assumed with twins, I was going to have a C-section. I was like, oh, but I, no, I'm not. I'm actually, I'm not going to. So, <laughs> which, which probably was not the right move on my part either. But I, I, but that's interesting that you say it's true on both sides, the vaginal and cesarean section, you kind of come out and you don't really know how to care for yourself after and are, aren't given as much guidance as, um, as, as probably we deserve to have coming right. out of that well, then caring for a little, little teeny tiny baby at the same time. Right. I mean, especially in the U S you're not, I I wish that it was kind of a requirement to go see a pelvic floor therapist and at least have one check-in point, even if you feel like nothing is going wrong, just so that you then start to understand because there was no care of what I can do for my scar, what I should do for my scar. Should there be scar mobilization? When would I start scar mobilization? I mean, and I, I did still, so I was with a midwife first and then ended up in the hospital. So I didn't have the OB care afterwards. I was still with my midwife. And even with her though, she was like, oh, have you started touching your scar? Are you doing? And it was too early, especially for my healing and where I was at. So I was even surprised that no, I'm not yet. Like I'm, I'm working around it, but, and, and it's not due to fear out of touching my scar. It's just that I'm not ready because they're still healing underneath the scar that needs to happen before I can touch on the scar. And so I think, you know, even that was, there was still some disconnection, even with my midwife there in how soon I should start this mm-hmm. scar mobilization. So I can't imagine someone who doesn't have my background as a physical therapist going in and knowing when to start to mobilize the scar. And even that you should do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think people are talking about it now more, right? We, yes. we were hearing more. And so it sounds almost like your midwife has heard about the importance of scar massage. So she's just like, yeah, go do it. But she doesn't know the details around it. Like, right. you know, and how to really properly educate around the timing and the methodologies and the strategies and the, you know, like, what should you really be doing week by week? And so it sounds like that's something we need to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth, or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more. Talk about it week by week. And yeah, Nikki, I remember you sent me a delivery, like a gro- which is the nicest, best thing possible I could have received, but like a grocery delivery. And there was this massive castor oil bottle. 
that she sent. And I was like, this is so sweet of you. And then like sent her a picture. I was like, so what do I do? What do, I do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, okay, here we go now. <laughs> and that was like my lifesaver. I used castor oil packs um, because I had a T incision, a double incision. And so my recovery was, like I said, really bad or took a long time. And I used them for oh my gosh, months and months and months, like literally months and months and months when I had inflammation. Um, So, okay. So yeah. What's the best way to tackle this? Nikki, what do you think? Like there's so many things, there's so many things, casserole packs, like scarmalization, like all of them. I know. I think what maybe would be interesting to hear, I'm curious as well. So Lexi, out of this conversation, you're the only one that has experienced both a vaginal and a cesarean delivery. I've had two vaginal births. Jen, you've had one cesarean birth. So it's kind of interesting that we've all, we're all kind of coming from different perspectives, but I would be interested specifically, and I think a lot of the listeners would be as well, Jen, for you to, if you're comfortable sharing in a bit more detail, sort of what you did, if you can remember, week by week in the early days, if you hit any, you know, roadblocks, if you will, um, and and sort of like what what is it that you were able to then pull from with your knowledge as the expert that you are and apply to your own recovery? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like in the very beginning, you know, just even being at the hospital, I definitely tried to get out of bed and maybe not, I wasn't doing a lot of walking, but I was at least like marching in place. I was trying to get out of just being in a sedentary state all the time, which I do believe helped with not having as much swelling because I've heard other friends who had cesareans or family members who had quite a bit of swelling. And so I really try to be cautious of that. And I, and I don't think I had my, I I now can't remember, but I don't think I had my compression socks at the hospital, but that would have been a great thing to have. (laughs) And so I would recommend putting it in your hospital bag. Uh, But when I got home, that was definitely something that I would wear because especially as medicine start to wear down and you're not moving as much or you're not sleeping, all these things, swelling can start to happen, which is pretty normal. It's going to happen. But I really think I helped mitigate it by starting to move a little bit earlier. And especially when I was still at the hospital and having that nerve block, it was like, oh, I can move. I can get up. Like, it feels great (laughs) until you get home and you realize, no, I can't move as much. And I remember even just, I had a huge body pillow next to me and I needed to move it over to the other side. Mm. And I started and I laid down and I just cried because I was like, Tom, I need you to help me move my body pillow. And it was this sense of, oh my goodness, I I really don't have the ability in my body right now to even do that rotation within my core Mm. because I I can't use my core. It's 100% needing to heal. And so I need that level of support to help pick up my bite, my baby or move a pillow across for me, you know? And so it was this it, there was grieving a part of it and not being able to sit up, not being able to pick up my baby as easily or needing a lot of extra support that I didn't anticipate as much as well. And so I think that was hard, but also I'm, I'm so grateful to have my husband who was willing to be, to get up all throughout the night to help me with diaper changes. So I didn't have to get up and and do any of that. I was just, he even would give the baby to me so I could breastfeed, you know? So it was just, 
I having that level of support, I think was so essential and necessary in the very beginning stages as well, as well as being able to get out of my bed and walk around a little bit. Um, and in the very beginning, you know, I did do some not, not exercises, but how can, how can I stretch up? Like how far can I stretch up right now? And can I just start to move around a little bit more? Can I, where does it feel like to lift my legs? What does it feel like to kind of move my legs side to side? How does it feel to sit up at the edge of my bed and just start to straighten one leg at a time? You know, starting to get some movement back into my body without putting a lot of direct tension on my core, especially in week one and two, I really paid attention to, I'm in a sideline role and I'm going to use my arms and my legs to support me a lot. But I did still know that as much as I'm not doing hands-on mobilization, I want to do mobilization in terms of movement from my body. So can I stand? Can I stretch? How much tension can I put on my scar that feels comfortable for me? Because I knew I didn't want to get into a lockdown position, especially where breastfeed or I was breastfeeding. So I'm already bent over a baby. So I don't want to get into that positioning and not have that stretch and that mobilization around, around my stomach. So that was probably one of the biggest things that I was doing early on, laying on a bed, doing some pelvic tilts, trying to do my knees side to side, trying to open up in my chest. So those were a lot of the early movements that I was focusing on and diaphragmatic breathing. Yeah, for sure. That's so important. I I feel like there's got to be, I mean, you're a mover. There's no question about it. Yeah. I'm also consider myself similar in that category. I've been teaching yeah. Pilates movement. And so there's obviously an element of confidence in your body and being able to tune into these signals of, oh, that's too much, or yeah. that's just enough. And that's a bit uncomfortable, but I know I can, I, this, it's still okay. But a lot of people don't have that. <laughs> so, yes. and you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So how, what would you say to somebody who's very afraid and there's so much fear around, I'm going to break myself, you know, like I I don't, and you do end up seeing people get stuck in that sort of what you mentioned, locked down position where, you know, movement is now something that is even more anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. Or you do the opposite, like I did and over yeah. move mm-hmm. and then set yourself back way too much. Right. And that's, that's where I ended up. So yeah, it's a yeah. great question, Nikki. Like, how do you know what is enough, what is too much and the right things to do. Yeah. Um, And it, without hurting the scar, because I have heard of other people reopening and, you know, Mm -hmm. needing to go back into surgery to kind of fix that. So, um, yeah, I think in the very beginning, knowing that rest was going to be the most important. Like I kind of already set up mentally that my room was where I was basically going to live. I was going to try not, and and that's upstairs. So I'm going to try not to go up and down the stairs. If I need to, I'm going to do it once throughout the day, because even that motion of using my legs and going up, I, every time I lift my knee, I know that I'm going to put tension onto my core. It's going to happen. So I'm not going to really stress myself and do that. If my parents or family were going to come visit or my sister or anything, they were going to come up to the room to see me. I wasn't going to come down to see them. So I think that's really important as well as giving your body the time and the space to heal and knowing that that is essential in the beginning. And so how can you ask for support 
and receive the support. I think some people want to start cleaning and start helping and start cooking and start, you know, if someone's going to come over, we're so used to entertaining other people or seeing how we can set up our space so that it looks presentable for someone else to come over or, you know, needing to take care and host in a way where if someone's coming over, that's not your job at all anymore. They're coming over to see you, to support you. And if you feel like you can't get out of that hosting stage, then you shouldn't have anyone come over (laughs) and kind of setting those boundaries up within yourself. Because I think especially in those first two weeks, that's when you should be taking the most kind of rest. What you're doing is you're getting out, you're still moving, you're still moving your legs, you're still trying to stretch your body, but you're not leaning, (laughs) you're not doing more things rather than just starting to care for this little human that you have. So I think that's really important is is giving your body that ability to rest, that ability to ask for support and and receive the support. And then if you have to also see how you're feeling, if you're increasing the soreness, can you lay down and can that soreness go away? And if it doesn't right away, well, then you're probably overdoing it a little bit too. And I knew that too. I think it was like week three that I really had friends coming over. And so I decided to, you know, go up and, or maybe it was week two. And I decided to go up and down the stairs a couple of times because I needed to, I was getting away to kind of go breastfeed, still figuring this thing out. So I didn't want to be around anyone. (laughs) And so I was going up and down the stairs more than I was used to at that time. And I knew after that, I was like, Dom, I'm done. Like I, that was a bit too much going up and down the stairs. And so needing to then rest for the rest of that day and into the next day. So it's really listening to your body and being able to have that space to tune in, which again, you need support so that you can even listen. Mm, it's so good point. <laughs> so hard. Oh, so many things you say, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like our room's on the third floor and <laughs> the amount of up and downs I did was clearly not beneficial. Um, <laughs> plus like the two other little ones and uh, yeah. all the things. So, uh, and yeah, I had, I had like a family reunion August. It was like, would have been the August long. They wouldn't have even been two weeks old literally, oh at my, my house. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's all clicking. It's all clicking for me, but, it, <laughs> but it, I was blood pressure, right? And I had high blood pressure. Yeah. And then I, and then they thought I had, um, I had uh, my appendix were bursting because my nerve damage was so bad. Obviously, none of the things I was doing was helping for that. But I also, but I did do good things. I did acupuncture and all that good stuff. So, (laughs) but um, this is really good tips. And it is like being able to just commit as soon as the, so if you know you're having a cesarean um, birth or, or it happens in the moment, but take maybe being in that mindset to take a minute before you leave the hospital to set what are your boundaries? What is the area I'm going to situate myself in? How am I going to make sure that I'm being really well supported? I think that is such, such a great, um, a great way to start. And I feel like if you can get your start right, then the rest of your recovery hopefully lines up better, right? Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's even asking if friends want to give you a cute outfit or they want to send you flowers. You're like, well, before you do that, what if you sent me food or even just send me money to like DoorDash or to Postmates or something? Yeah. Groceries, you know, something else that's going to be a little bit more supportive rather than something that looks pretty and and cute. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's going to be a lasagna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Some, some juice, some cold pressed juice. That was what I wanted. Um, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. So when did you start actually dealing with, so I, I asked, I asked the Graham before this interview and the questions are all around the, the puffiness, the, the shelf, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that is the hot the hot topic. And we know that scar massage and mobilizing the fascia is so helpful and important to, to deal with the shelf among other can things. Can we rename the shelf? It's called the shelf. It's the C-section. I know. I was like, can we rename it though? Oh, <laughs> what do you want to call it? I don't know. Just like a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> How's your shelf? Do you want to talk about it, Lexi? Is this triggering for you? No, my shelf's actually pretty good. Um, but you know, maybe, I guess it is triggering. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I see this with I love. I a castor oil pack on when I feel like the shelf's getting a little out of control. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe that's wrong, but... No, and then massage it. So, okay, back to the nitty-gritty. When, <laughs> Jen, when did you start? Because there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who yeah. probably recently had cesarean births who are kind of taking notes. So when, would, if you can recall, did you start to even address mobilizing above and below the scar? Cause that's kind of where you start, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so about three weeks, but definitely not close to the scar is where I started. And, um, I took this, I think it was, her name is Kathy Wallace. I could be wrong on that. She's a physical therapist. Um, and I kind of went through her guide for scar mobilization and I really resonated with hers more because, a lot of what I heard prior was starting scar mobilization kind of right above and below about three weeks and right on it about six weeks. And mm-hmm. for me, that would not have been okay. That would have been very aggressive and really sore. Okay. <laughs> so I, it's interesting. I mean, and and that is still some of the you know recommendation. And for some, I I get, and that might help. Um, for me. I went more from her guide, which isn't starting above and below the scar until about six weeks. And that's more directly right above and below. And then starting on the scar about 12 weeks. Now I started around probably closer to, you can start around eight weeks, I would say. Um, But you really have to listen to that soreness factor. Lexi here. Okay. So let's shift to another under the radar, not so hot topic for a minute, body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? 10 years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At WaxOn, we've invested in top-of-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. 
If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. Into the timing of the scar stuff. So you were saying how you know, you found that a lot of the recommendations were a little aggressive, meaning mm-hmm. to essentially start directly above and directly below the scar around three weeks and then on the scar at six, but you were like, no, nah, it's not going to happen too much. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think it could be personal for different people. It, they might find that starting scar, direct scar mobilization at six weeks works for them and that's fine. But I think you also get to listen to the, your body responses. And if you are extremely sore during or after or a day after, well, then it's probably too aggressive. And, uh, you know, even just, uh, so I, I got super sick two weeks into, um, postpartum, which was super fun. Oh God. And, and I'm not sure how, and we, so I ended up starting to sideline breastfeed and, you know, all that kind of stuff a little early on because I was so exhausted and just having his little feet kick me, (laughs) you know, it was like, oh wow, this is sore. So really starting to understand where that soreness level was on me was really important and know that I think there's this level of, I need to start this right away because I don't want the shelf and I don't want all these things, but you can continue to work on this through life and something that you probably will continue to work on because it's a, it's a bigger scar. So, you know, there's no rush to having to get to it right away, I would say. So don't push your body into a state before it's ready. And a lot of the people who I see kind of starting to recommend a little bit earlier potentially are people who haven't felt it or been through it. That's and why I'm I'm like, totally, I have imposter syndrome. I'm like, I haven't lived this. That's why I want yeah. all the experts on. I'm like, tell me what, because <laughs> I don't want to misguide, right. you know, my students who I care about deeply. So I'm so glad that you said that because that's a real thing. Like I can talk about prolapse till the cows come home because I've lived, right. <laughs> right. But like when it comes to cesarean and scar massage, like, you know, I, I, I know about it intellectually, but I think there's something to be said for somebody who's led, has actually gone through it. Yeah. And again, it's not wrong or bad to start a little earlier. It depends on your body, but you don't, you just don't need to push things too far. And you you need to listen to that soreness factor of what, what you're feeling. And so around three weeks, I started closer up around my rib cage, making sure that I didn't have any restrictions through the fascia kind of pulling from my belly up into my rib cage area. So now I want to start here. I want to feel, okay, after I do some of this, what does a little cat cow start to feel like in my body now? And, and I start with such small range of motion. Again, I'm not pushing a cat cow to really extend my belly because I didn't have the mobility to do that. But I want to know it, after I'm getting a little bit of palpation and some massage work, now let me move my body into that new range and see if it, if I have a little bit better of a range. So I started there and it wasn't until about six weeks that I was directly above the scar, kind of doing some pulling and mobilization above the scar and some circling above the scar and right. I mean, below is, is hard. You kind of have your pubic bone right there Mm -hmm. because it's quite low. So 
I didn't start scar- direct scar mobilization. I can't remember exactly when, but it was closer to the 12 week mark because for That's me- like last week for you. <laughs> I know. It was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. For me, it was, it, it just, it, there was too much soreness. I knew that when my baby, if I would be burping him or if we were sideline feeding and I would get some, you know, mobilization from him, it was way too sore. And mm-hmm. even if I went closer to the scar and I did some mobilization, the next day, I might still feel a little bit of soreness. So I'm like, okay, still too soon. Mm -hmm. And I know again, that there's no rush in this. Who am I trying to rush back and do the scar mobilization for? You can still address the shelf later on, even if you've had a cesarean 18, 24 months ago, you know, there's, there's never too much time that's passed that you can still address scar mobilization and mobility around that scar. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was no rush in how fast I needed to get to it. I wanted to better listen to my body and know that I was doing something that felt more appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, I also didn't have a lot of irritation around the scar. I didn't have numbness, so I didn't have to deal with any of that. Um, I did still use the towel around it um, starting about three weeks. And then I did I, I did a little bit of the light um, touch with the dry towel on the scar about six weeks. Um, and that all felt okay for me. I didn't have, again, I didn't have that irritation. I didn't have that numbness or tingling around the scar. So I was grateful for that. Um, and so really just uh, continuing to be so mindful of where my soreness level was at and then honoring my body and moving in that way. And then now um, I'm starting with some mobilization with cupping as well, which feels uh, really the silicone massage cups. Those mm-hmm. ones, do you use the small cups or the medium size? What do you typically use? Um, starting a, a bit more medium and just kind of around the area. And then okay. I'm, I'm going to do like some of the smaller cups as well and experiment just kind of on the scar as well. Yeah. So it's all about kind of like experimenting, seeing how my skin moves. I mean, I even tried to do some rolling and I was like, Oh, nope, that doesn't pick up at all. Right. <laughs> and so, so really just trying to see not only up and down and around, but I want to see how does the skin move around it? And I want to pick it up and I want to tr- start to roll. And I just want to start to move that that skin a little bit better around the scar, on the scar. And then again, I'm not neglecting movement with that. So now how does pelvic tilting feel? How does cat-cow feel? How does movement through a bigger range within my body feel as well? What has been for you? Cause you're so strong. I saw something on your, you were like, you can still do it like a full chin up or pull up. Right. And you're like, I'm, I've got so much work to do. I'm like, girl, you're doing it. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, it's, it's obviously not as much as we, you were doing before. Right. Yeah. But still, like, I'm still impressed. But um, I guess the question I'm asking is where have you noticed the biggest weakness in your body muscularly at this stage now, like postpartum, did anything take you by surprise? Yes, actually. Um, So I started working out about five and a half weeks. I got clearance from my father-in-law who's an OB. So I was like, well, if you're going to clear me, then fine. (laughs) And so I, that's when I kind of started back working out and with my body. And then I would say about um, 12 weeks, I tried a, just a leg lift, which I was a previous gymnast. So I've been doing core you know, harder type core exercises for a very long time. So I thought, no problem. 
no, <laughs> that was that was the one that probably took me the most by surprise. Mm. I was so glad to see that I didn't have any coning or doming within my stomach as I looked back on looked back on the video. So I was able to control my intra-abdominal pressures very well as I did it. However, I did not get very high and I just did not have the strength to at all pull my legs, which is a super hard exercise. So to think that I could do that by 12 weeks, I don't know who I am. But that's what I thought I could do. Um, and so that was that was not happening. But just being able to see there the core, um the core definitely took mm-hmm. quite a hit in terms of <laughs> the strength and even even doing what I would call more simple things, right? Laying on my back, doing some marches, doing some leg lifts, doing some dead bug type exercises, and maybe even having soreness. I remember one time there was someone I was around, I was laughing so hard and I got sore around my scar. And I'm like, oh, wow, this core stuff is just, is taking me for a wild ride right now. And so really getting back into that that deep layer of the core and starting to rework and reprogram how that moves with my body and how I'm starting to strengthen it, it's definitely taking time. Oh God. I remember going to yoga, like it, I think it was like five weeks postpartum. And I remember trying like doing like chaturanga and like, and I was like, oh my God. Like I remember crying like quietly on my mat because I was like, I've lost so much strength because it's humbling, right? You have a bit yeah. of an ego. You do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I do. You probably do. You're yeah. like, I'm strong. Like I'm an, I'm an athlete. I'm, a, you know, I'm, I've been doing this for so long and then you do it and you're like, good God, you know, you still, even though you work out so hard in pregnancy or, you know, train, oh, I should yeah. say, you, you know, what you did and I did, it's still, still. It's a, it's a humbling feeling. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that I'd be able to do the pull-up. So when I did the pull-up, I was like shocked. So the fact that I couldn't do a leg lift, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I can do a pull-up, but I can't do a leg lift? Okay. <laughs> That's great. What are your suggestions in easing yourself back into uh, working out again, especially for people, well, both sides, like, people who may have not been training for whatever reason as much during their pregnancy. And then also, you know, for people like myself who are just eager and yourself like eager to like get back into it and can often overdo it. Yeah. I think there has to be a sense of honoring like the progression of getting back in. And that's where I say, you know, my mindset has never been on, I'm going to get back to where I was, but I'm just moving forward in a brand new way and starting to see where my strength is and what I'm now continuing to work forward on. And, and I have to honor that I'm in a whole new body now because there's a new baby and there's a new scar that was not there before. So this is a new body. This isn't something that I'm working back to try to get. I'm working forward in something new. And so I'm very conscious of that language, even with what I'm saying to myself so that I'm making sure I'm not trying to get back to previous weight, or I'm not trying to get back to however much I was squatting before. I'm just moving forward now in a 
brand new body. So that means I get to test where I'm starting at with body works, body weight stuff and seeing what feels good. Where, where's my range of motion now? What is, what is the current load that I can put on and seeing what that feels like 24 hours later too. I think we forget sometimes we get so excited, especially if you can get back into movement again and say you haven't been doing it during pregnancy for whatever reason. And so now it finally feels like, oh, this relief, I can get back into my body, but you have to also honor it's a new body. It's a new phase. So as, as much and as eager as you might be, let's, let's take it down from what you were doing before and scale that back a ton in terms of, okay, let's, let's see, let's assess where this new body is now functioning, where my range of motion is, how much I can tolerate. And I need to see what it feels like 24 hours later. So I'm not getting too excited so that I know that I'm not injuring myself and I'm not pushing it too much or I'm not bleeding. Um, I also did not start moving and working out until I was completely done bleeding. And I think that's something that's really important as well because I know some people who started, again, taking it too fast or even just doing too much around the house and then started bleeding a lot more or mm-hmm. g- getting clots. And some, sometimes that can be really scary. So really honoring you know, the healing that your body needs to go through where it's at and the fact that you're in a new body and that's okay. We're starting to, we're we're just assessing this new phase of where your body is. Yeah. I had, um, my acupuncturist that I used, uh, for my C-section scar, she gave me great advice on a guideline for me being bleeding. Like, so if I Mm -hmm. was bleeding more, I'm doing too much. Mm -hmm. And like that being a really good indication, because I needed those Right, like something to tell me other than just, yeah, just my body. I don't know. It was like, yeah. a, it was a good, it was a good reading for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to con- to like continue to remember is, is not only how you're feeling, but also looking at those physical symptoms that are happening and how can I start to read that and, and then assess how I can be moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of this is so helpful. Um, All of this is so, so helpful. I think that one of the things I'm walking away with, which I love that you said, Jen, is that, you know, we almost now, the pendulum has almost swung a little bit. So there was no talk of scar mobilization, like at all for the longest time. And now it's like mobilized, mobilized, you know, help the shelf. And, and would you say that you think it's sort of swung a little too far, like where people are now like really kind of trying to do it too much too soon, potentially? I, I do think potentially it could be a little too aggressive now. And I think because we have to remember that social media, a lot of what is out there and what we're working on is aesthetic appearances mm-hmm. like that, that. It's not necessarily medical or what you need within your body. So we have to be careful of like, am I doing this because I aesthetically need this right now? And this is what I'm seeing. And this is what people are showing like, oh, no shelf. And this looks smooth. And this is you also get to honor that your body needs to heal. And there's seven layers of tissue that we go through, you know, and it's not just the scar that we see on top. I think sometimes it's also that we get, we forget the level of um, surgery that your body goes through for a cesarean and honoring that process that it it's a major abdominal surgery. So we're going to need some time to heal before we start getting in back into what you prefer on those aesthetic pre- appearances. I mean, even with diastasis recti, 
a lot of the times what you're looking at on social media is you're aesthetically what you want to appear better within your stomach, not necessarily the function because you can function with a separation. You can go back to lifting. You can go back to working out. So it's aesthetically what you want to look like. And I think that's what we need to pay attention to. That's what social media is showing you, is showing you the aesthetics, but we have to just continue to remember it's your own body. We all heal differently. We all look differently. You don't need to look like people on social media. You don't need to look like me. And also like, this is my first birth. So of course I'm going to kind of recover a little bit easier than if it was my fourth, or if I had twins, like I can't imagine, of course it would be a different story for me. So this is also my first birth. This is my first experience and my body has, it's easier for my body to come back into its previous weight and, you know, and drop weight a little bit faster. So I think we need to be conscious of who we're comparing ourselves to. So important. And I love you saying like, this is my 2.0 of me almost, you know, like this is a new me Mm -hmm. that I was before versus constantly comparing yourself to your old self. I think that's like such a really great, important way and perspective to have in being compassionate with yourself and being like, yeah, look at what I did and look at what I went through and and with a cesarean section as well. And, and, you know, vaginal labor, like all the things of what we are doing. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a 2.0 version of myself. And this is like, and I get to decide how that plays out for me and what, what that means. So Mm -hmm. I I really love that. Um, yeah, this is so, so great. You have so, so much great tips and advice. And, um, if I had this before and I listened to this before going through or just coming out of, um, having a C-section, I think that you're going to benefit. A lot of people are going to benefit from this. Thank you. So thanks so much for coming on. We're so appreciative and yeah, it's awesome. I hope you make another guy a guide specifically for this. It's needed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen back to this yourself and just tell make a guide. In, yeah, tell us what's in the works. <laughs> and a guide's coming soon. <laughs> there you go. It's done. All right. Um, take care. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.